Welcome to the Thriving Women in STEM podcast. We're your hosts, Dr. Ursula Lang and Dr. Brianne Daniels. Our mission is to support, nurture, and re-inspire STEM professional women to reclaim their lives and flourish. And the way we do this is through community building, shared experiences, and coaching tools. Let's do this. Hello, women in STEM. We're back with our third week of the month when we're talking about identity. And I'm again, Ursula Lang, and I have my lovely co-host, Dr. Brianne Daniels here with me. Hi, Bri. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing this week? It's a, it's been a nice, nice week down here in San Diego so far. So it's been lovely for me as well. I just got a lot of, I'm still unpacking funny enough. I moved almost a year ago, but you know, work in progress. So that actually got done over the weekend. My sister came over and organized, helped me condo our whole garage, which was a lovely treat and a belated birthday gift, which I accepted generously, graciously. She was generous. I was gracious. (laughs) And uh, that was, that was my highlight (laughs) of the week. Yeah. How about you? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I wish I could say I did the same, but I I guess I did my own version. Um, I finally got some boxes unpacked as well into uh, the closet. So that was good. Lots of storage, storage arranging and unpacking. So. And you're getting baby ready. Is that right? Yeah. Getting, yes. Getting our nursery, which is at the moment, part of our bedroom. (laughs) <laughs> ready. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, yeah. So Amazon got quite a bit of my money over the weekend as I tried to order things to get ready. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, that's exciting. Getting ready is anticipation is almost sweeter than, well, I don't know in this case, it'll probably not be, but it's, I know, um, right? it's all good. Okay. Yeah. So nesting. nesting, there you go. Okay. So for this week, what we have for you is to dive deeper into cognitive dissonance. We gave you a little teaser last week about how this topic is coming up. And I think it's a really pertinent topic for us to talk about because a lot of this cognitive dissonance, when there is cognitive dissonance, we feel uncomfortable. And as we've been talking about with coaching, a lot of times we kind of, um, like to shy away from discomfort as like a basic, basic instinct, uh, survival instinct, perhaps that when we feel uncomfortable, we do what we have to do to get out of that discomfort quickly. And that can look like buffering with all sorts of things from food, alcohol shows to even buffering with cleaning or basically getting out of discomfort in any which way. Cognitive dissonance is when you feel discomfort. So we're going to talk about it today. And just to set the stage, the definition of cognitive dissonance is a state of tension that occurs when a person holds two cognitions, ideas, attitudes, beliefs, or opinions that are uh, psychologically inconsistent with each other. Okay. So our brains don't like dissonance or inconsistencies. It wants to make sense of the world, right? So when we are holding two different beliefs, it finds a way to weave a story together to make what you're believing okay, make it right, basically. So Brie, just to bring you into this uh, from the get-go, what is an example or maybe something that you have thoughts about with cognitive dissonance? I love that. Yes. Even earlier today, I think I actually used the word cognitive dissonance as I was talking to someone else about 
um, the feelings of tension I have been having at least recently about um, my up- upcoming maternity leave, which is funny because on some level I kind of it's almost absurd <laughs> to me that I'm having the tension, but but I'm feeling it in my body, so you know I had to pay attention to that and. You know, I think that, you know, again, highlights how important it is to have the awareness around what our thoughts are creating for us. But yeah, I was having some, you know, what I would kind of call cognitive dissonance, sorry about that, um, over the kind of the, the rest period that I see coming up in my maternity leave, which is so interesting to me because on one hand, I'm like, well, obviously, you know, there's a new baby. I'm going to be on leave. I'm going to need to, you know, be there and be present. And that's a really important part of the leave for me, actually. Um, but then having kind of attention there too, of wanting to be productive, like there's still part of me that really wants to kind of still be active in all of the things I'm doing and all of the work I'm doing, both in my kind of sort of traditional physician career as well as, um, you know, our coaching business and, you know, just lots and lots of things that, um, that I think, you know, I'm excited to be doing. So it's kind of funny how much tension comes up when I know I'm putting a pause button on it a bit, but a totally valid reason to do right to put pause, to put a pause button on it. So, um, so that was really fascinating to me that, you know, I knew we were going to be doing this topic today and it totally just came up sort of naturally. So I think it it does often in my life. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's actually a really amazing um, insight that you have. And I think, you know, I'm going to try to relate it a little bit to everybody who maybe isn't um, pregnant currently and I'm going to take (laughs) entire leave right away. But I think this is one example where, it's, it's such a dramatic change from doing all the things to doing none of those things and really hitting a hard pause on your other, your parts of your life that were more quote unquote productive. And um, so it's, it's kind of that real stark contrast that draws your attention to, to the situation. But I think um, for all of us, actually, there's a little version of that that happens, especially when we talk about time management. I see this all the time with, with the theory that, of course, we want to take care of ourselves. Of course, rest is important. Of course, you know, having a balanced work life is important to me, right, as a belief. And yet we're, we're always making choices that contradict that belief. And I think one of the, one of the, excuse, like, for example, um, we schedule, you know, doing, doing all the housework, doing all the childcare, doing all the experiments at work. If you're at the bench scientist or projects, taking on more, saying yes to everybody around you. And in the process, um, the way that we kind of rationalize the belief that I want to take care of me. And the belief that I'm saying yes to everything and all these things have to get done is that have to, right? Like we have, we kind of resolve that dissonance by telling ourselves we don't have control of the situation. You know, we basically lie to, I mean, it's, you know, thoughts are just, you know, um, interpretations, right? They're thoughts because they're not facts. And so we're choosing to think, I don't have control. I have to do this way. It's not my decision. If it were up to me, of course, I would take care of myself so I can still hold the belief that I can take care of myself. 
But at the same time, we have this other belief that we have to do all the things. And the way we resolve it is it's out of my control. I don't have any control over this. I have to do it. And so that one, that one thought and belief is resolving the dissonance between those two very opposite belief systems that we hold. And we truly believe that, you know, I'm thinking about specific clients that I have that come to me and they're like, no, no, you don't understand. I do value my myself and my time. And I do want to take care of me and get enough rest and, you know, have downtime and fill my cup and all these things. You just don't understand. I have to do all this other stuff. And these are all thoughts, people, (laughs) (laughs) which is good news because that's where, you know, essentially we can come in and take a look at that and really figure out, from the awareness piece, right. Of just having awareness that these are thoughts and that we can break down. What are the facts? And I think in your case, Brie, it's like very clear (laughs) that this baby's coming and that you will be home. And those are the facts. And the facts are that you still have your MD and you still have um, your appointment. You still have all these responsibilities that are going to still, still be there when you go back to work. Right. So yeah. Anyways, that's my assessment of it. I think that your example really (laughs) opens up the door to all of the other things that everyone is thinking, but don't realize they're also cognitive dissonance. Your brain is figuring out how to resolve for itself. Yeah. And I feel like it's so nice that you actually pointed that out because it's like, right, this is a very specific uh, example, but it is kind of a really ridiculously hard stop. It's going to happen. And (laughs) um, I think that it it is great that you pointed that out though, because it it even feeds into just our everyday lives, you know, when we're not in the situation where it's a very specific event, right? Even just planning our week out, like you said, and deciding when you're going to take that time for, you know, maybe rest or self-care and, and, you know, being really diligent about knowing when you're saying you have to do which things, right. And where you're putting your, your conscious choice into it. And, you know, and basically, yeah, taking, taking control back over everything that you do as opposed to having the have to's um, in there and in, in the thinking about the various things that we do do. Um, yeah. yeah. And I think you actually had mentioned, I believe it was in one of the last two podcasts, um, kind of a cool exercise to kind of break down um, your week and just, you know, kind of write down the things that you, you have on your, on your list and then kind of go to zero and then start adding them back in and decide, you know, kind of really taking a look carefully at which things you want to add back in at what, in what order and, you know, where you want to put them on your calendar. I I just, that was a super helpful exercise um, for me as well. So I'm so happy to hear it. Um, I actually, yeah, now that you bring it up, I wanted to touch back on that because as I was listening to our podcast on one of my commute days this past week, I, Uh, noticed, I said, you don't have to pick up your kids. And, you know, for somebody who might be listening, I wanted to just clarify that um, the truth is you don't have to, but when you put it that way, you might want to, because why? Because you want your kids back home with you and you want to keep them safe. We want those things. And then the how about it can be very creative. Like I want them to be home. I want them to be safe. I want them to, you know, 
be with me in the evening, but can we be creative about who picks them up? Is it important that I pick them up or do I want to pick them up? Because I enjoy doing that. And so once you start getting into the weeds about some thoughts that we have and breaking it out and really ask yourself, what piece of this do I want to do? And what piece of it do I not want to do? And just because I don't want to do it, am I making it mean anything about me as a mom or somebody who loves and cares for their children? So it's always that and. I don't I like I can I can have someone pick them up and I can still be a hundred percent loving and devoted mom who really cares about the well-being of their children, right? Of you know, so it's I think we're gonna talk about this coming up here um in this in the cognitive dissonance and like how do you resolve it? And it's really leveraging that and right. It's I don't want to physically pick them up, but I do still want them home. So that's the want piece of it. And I can have someone else pick them up and I can still be a loving and thoughtful mother and uh, have have basically kind of had it all, right? If you really want it, you can figure it out. And that's what I truly believe um, for myself and for everyone that comes to us with with, uh, work-life balance and uh, these types of situations. Right. Which, which we all have to some degree and, you know, maybe not that exact situation. Right. But there's, there's always going to be that the wants and the have twos. Um, totally. And I think the mom guilt, we always, we talk about it, we reference it, but you know, um, where's the guilt coming from? It's because we're taking up unconsciously the societal, rules about what it's what the definition of what a good mom looks like or a good anything looks like right we're just yeah. deciding to believe these un, unspoken rules a lot of times without looking at them and so uh Brie you and I we spend a lot of time thinking about our thoughts and I think in the end that's where we can have that awareness where is there some cognitive dissonance here where like my goal, my end goal is actually, you know, not, not something that, um, I'm really fully considering all of the possibilities in the, in the equation and the situation. Right. So, yeah. Any other things that you I love that. were thinking about? Um, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Just as you were talking a little bit about the society, you know, and, and kind of mom guilt in general, <laughs> Um, you know, it just also brought up to brought to mind a little bit how, you know, to some extent it's society itself that's imposing various things. And then and then we do see it, you know, like even um in terms of like when the school contacts a parent, it almost always is the mom, you know. And I don't, you know, maybe I should I shouldn't speak for for every single you know, area of the country or the world, because maybe there are times and places where, you know, that just doesn't happen. And and it, and it's not so much a thing. But um, recently, I have sort of noticed that uh, it appears to be quite ubiquitous around the, you know, the people that I've been encountering and talking to about it. And um, so really, just to also give ourselves kind of some grace too that like, yeah, like, this is happening. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's part of it's our thoughts about it. And part of it is, you know, it's, it's around us too. And so, yeah, right. We have, that's, that's why it's so great to have these communities and, and coaching really to help us sort of navigate all of, all of it, right. The thoughts that that produces, like when you see again, that you're getting the message, but, 
but yes, your partner, whoever they are, you know, maybe. Is- <laughs> yeah, no, I love that you brought that up. Actually, I, yeah. um, it brings up the concept of the, um, the invisible kind of the invisible, uh, additional work burden that, you know, childcare has, and uh, so it's invisible because we don't think twice about it unless we're thinking actively about it. Right. Unless you point it out. Um, you might not even notice. Uh, and then, you know, once you have that awareness, that's where you have your ability to then question it and then pivot. And the example you just brought up, actually, it's, it's interesting. I, this is something that has, I've been, I've been aware of for quite a while. And uh, when we were talking about um, my husband and I were talking about our daughter and going to preschool, uh, I actively have him put himself as the emergency contact. And <clears throat> I don't know if this is because, you know, his work is more flexible. It's it's possible that that's, that was the decision behind it, that he works from home mostly. But at the same time, there is a little bit of my brain that's kind of celebrating that win of, you know, breaking the, the, the quote unquote norm of putting the mom down as the emergency contact is the one who has to drop everything for whatever comes up to scramble to get to the preschool to pick up the children and bring them home or basically making, you know, making that decision an active decision and not a default decision uh, was something that I just, it kind of felt like a little win for me um, because, you know, otherwise I would, it would just be me, right? Otherwise it's the mom (laughs) putting it down. And again, I, I have to preface this by right. saying, like, the facts are that his job is actually more flexible uh, to some degree than mine currently, but um, but it just felt like a little bit of a, you know, satisfaction and on my end from from that point of view. And it's, and it's you know, available yeah, to everybody, yeah. <laughs> anybody listening, right, to just question everything <laughs> and make it your own, like your reasons, right? Yeah. I love that. I love that. And I actually, I love too, that like, I can even offer, even though I brought, I brought that up, right. I can even offer that in the, in my current situation, I happen to be the one that's a little bit more flexible. So I am the one who is the emergency contact. And then to give ourselves grace around that too, that even if in principle, we're kind of like our brain is like maybe fighting against it a little bit for various reasons, because we've thought about this and we want, you know, want more fairness in the world, right. That even then we can give ourselves grace around the fact that that, you know, that circumstance also exists and, and it's okay too. So the, and again, I guess, you know, just to emphasize embracing the and um, around all of these things. I think uh, what you just said was really the key. It's really having the awareness of what is the default perhaps, or having an awareness of what maybe is expected and then deciding I'm going to say yes to that I'm going to say no to that, or it's the and, and finding a way to make it not either door A or door B, but making it door C or door D or et cetera, right? And it's just like that autonomy to lead your life exactly the way you want to lead it and not by somebody else's rules and guidelines is where I think that that feeling of empowerment and, you know, kind of when we, when we think about burnout in our lives or careers. And I know that that word is overused now, but really one of the first steps is having the autonomy 
back in your life and recognizing you're choosing all the things or you're living by default. So decide to choose, right? Decide to write, write down everything. Think about it again. If you feel like there's inequity in your household, as far as, you know, um, chores or childcare, write down all the facts first, because our brains love to go to black and white, love to go to, to all or nothing thinking. And like, I do all the, all the chores or I do all the childcare and really writing it down and looking at it black and white on paper and just being very clear on the facts and recognizing the rest of it as our interpretation, our story. So that's, I mean, obviously what we do a lot in coaching, (laughs) we help you through that. Um, But, you know, I think that process is giving you back your autonomy and giving you back your, your, your choices in your life. So uh, I love how, like, again, this is, we're trying to tie it back to identity, but, you know, a lot of this, the concepts are essentially like rechoosing your identity, right? Like deciding on purpose, who you want to stand for, what you want to do, what do you want your life to look at, look like, how you're choosing to show up at work, um, all the things. So to love that. Do you, yeah. Did you have any other thoughts that came up uh, while we were, while I was rambling a little? (laughs) Oh, no, no, not at all. Um, No, I mean, we can, we can continue. I'm, I'm, I won't, I won't throw us off our track. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think what we wanted to do is end this particular podcast, cognitive dissonance and identity and how they interface is really giving you the exercise of thinking about using the and in your life. So for me personally, I like, I, kind of identify, self-identify as a creative, somebody who loves to create. And that's honestly one of what was, was the principal joy of being in science at the bench was the creativity piece of creating something out of nothing to discover something nobody else knew or, you know, discovered. And again, with entrepreneurship, I think we can say the same. I can, I can look at it as a creative process of creating something from the ground up, which is just amazing. At the same time, um, I think creativity gets kind of um, benched or like, uh, couched as this, uh, non-disciplined, uh, piece like type of, um, process. And so my and has been thinking about creativity and discipline. You can be a creative and you can also have an agenda. You can be creative and also have, uh, you know, things that you create, uh, on purpose in a designated time frame. So having that and there for me has been really helpful in, acknowledging and respecting the creative piece that I identify as, but also allowing myself to take on the identity of being someone who is disciplined in the creative process. And I think anybody like who is, who is, is working in a field that has not laid out the exact steps as in science, um, you get the opportunity to be creative, but NIH and anybody else who might be funding you will want to see the progress and the discipline. So you can be both is basically the way I see it. So think about that for you. Um, and where's your and, and to potentially contra- con- uh, contradicting um, uh, identities. What about you, Bree? What's your and? So, uh, so my and, at least I know I shared a little bit uh, earlier kind of what the and was as, as related to cognitive dissonance, but I think motherhood and career right now for me, it's a kind of embracing that they both can exist and, you know, they're 
or doesn't have to be, um, you know, at least for me, I think there might've been some thoughts that your thoughts that were judgmental around both sides of it, you know, and that was creating that tension for me. And I think, um, yeah, that, that, you know, just to tie it back to cognitive dissonance and the tension part, um, a lot of times when we don't have an and there, right, we have the or in there, that's when we get the tension because we're adding additional thoughts, right, um, that may be either judging, judging one or the other of those things, right, like, oh, the creativity isn't disciplined or isn't enough disciplined or discipline is too disciplined, right, too structured, and then we can't be creative or something, right, and then we're just adding those layers in that um, really don't help us move forward with, with the kind of the combination, which is ultimately the reality, you know, life is going to be all, and all the time. And, you know, it kind of comes back to that concept of arguing with reality and how that really just never actually serves us <laughs> um, because, because it is reality and it is complex, right. And there are interfacing things that are going to create tension in our minds. Um, and then the the second one that came to my mind as we were sort of chatting about this was uh, productivity and rest. And um, I wanted to bring that one forward just because, you know, that may be one of the ones that, you know, more consistently exists in my life, no matter what else is going on. I agree. Um, that That's you can a, have such a good one. Productivity and rest. Um, yeah. yeah. Actually that, you know, just to speak on that for a second, I think one real tip that we give you, especially if you go to our, um, our, our like mini course on time management is to actually schedule and rest first, to actually make it an intentional act to put rest on your calendar before you put your productivity piece of it on your calendar to continuously tell your brain, these two do exist in concert. Like in order to be the maximally productive, you need to give your, your brain and your life chance to breathe and to rest. And for me personally, that rest piece is, it goes hand in hand with creativity, to be honest. Like, um, you know, so I think having those together, they actually work together, not either or. Um, so just reminding all of you out there, productivity mm -hmm. needs rest and it's not either or. So I love how you ended on that note. And I think um, this is one that we probably would <laughs> would be helpful to, for us to replay and to remind ourselves, right? Constantly that those do exist together. All right. Well, this was a lovely time talking with for you. Sure. Yeah. Usual. <laughs> I hope all of you got something out of it. And again, just to remind you, if you want more on time management, you can visit our website. We have um, a video led mini course on on time management there for you for free, just enter your email and it'll pop into your mailbox. And then uh, the last piece is um, that we are going to practice some flexibility in some of the coming weeks because Brianne, as she mentioned to you all, will be delivering soon-ish. And we want to just let you guys know that um, yeah. we, we will be um you know, basically practicing what we preach here and allowing for that rest to happen. So uh, stay tuned um, for, you know, more information on that. And that's what we have for you this week. All right. Till next okay. time. We will keep you updated. Yay. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. All right. Bye everyone. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to apply some of these principles to your own life, we are here to help. 
Get started by following the link in the show notes to download our step-by-step video guided workshop to reclaim your time.